Don't call it a comb back, I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. So my first question is, why in the hell don't the Rams have indoor plumbing? This is the press box. You're not at a great point in your life when you have to take a dump in a porta potty, True. right? True. That's not a great day for you. With Grainy and Bischoff. Shove it in. Someone from the Hard Knocks who took a dump in the porta potty. <laughs> like they immediately blame the media. Like we get blamed for everything. It's fine to blame us for like if you want to think we're negative, but we gotta draw the line that we're taking the dumps in the porta potty. No. At that point, I draw the line. FM. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Oh, I can't wait for this first question, Jared. Let's go. The first bite. Do the Golden Knights finally have a good third line? I'm going above that, Tyler. I saw the Twitters last night. This might be the greatest third line in hockey. I don't think there's ever been a better third line. Ever. (laughs) I, I, I think, you know, you've added Matty Ice Part 2 to this third line. And uh, Maddie Ice just makes all the difference. So I don't know if you saw it last night, uh, but I had to actually turn the game to the Dodger game because I was so excited about the third line. Maddie Ice Part Two. What kind of a nickname mm-hmm. is that? Well, it's Maddie, <laughs> and he's playing on some ice. We already have Maddie Ice Number One, so we got Maddie Ice Number Two. Okay. Um, the Golden Knights <laughs> scored two goals in the same game with their third line at oh. five on five. And it wasn't just Alex Tuck. Um, Tomas Nosek scored one of those goals. And Matthias Janmark looked like he played really well. Looked like he fit in really well with those two. Uh, the interesting part of the line, though, to me, it's not even really Matthias Janmark at the moment. It's Tomas Nosek. That guy keeps scoring. Can't stop yeah. He has now tied his career high with eight goals on a season. Uh, he's only played 34 this year. Has not played anywhere close to a full season. Hasn't even, hasn't even hit the halfway point of what would be a normal season. Um, he's got six goals in his last 14 games, uh, which is a phenomenal pace for somebody that has basically been the fourth-line center of this team for the last couple of years. Now, to me, the big question, though, with Tomas Nosek, it's not really what he's done lately or what he's going to do in the next few games. Like, can Tomas Nosek actually score, not even at this rate, but just score a little bit in the playoffs? Like, can they get a couple of goals from Tomas Nosek in a playoff series? Because if they can get a couple of goals from Tomas Nosek in a playoff series, then all of a sudden the Golden Knights' third line might actually be useful and might actually help them win a series as opposed to being the reason they lose a playoff series. Yeah, we've talked about it. Um, it's, you know, getting to be a cliche about how long they've waited for third line. Um from the first year on the jump, you know, what everything about that Capitals series and Stanley Cup was, well, their third line got destroyed by the Capitals' third line, and it was just so much better for Washington. And then it just became this consistent theme every year. It's like, well, you know, the third line, the third line. So, you know, it's one game. It's against the Kings. Yes, my favorite team. I'm going to admit they might not make the playoffs. I get it. Uh, not playing very well at the point at this point. But if if you can add a third line, because here's the thing. I mean, Colorado, pretty good third line, right? So if you start looking at the teams just that they're going to have to beat to get out of the Honda division or the West, then this should help them a lot, I'd assume, going against that team. If, in fact, 
it's inevitable that they're going to have to beat that team. Yeah, I mean, it should. And Matias Janmark looked good last night. Uh, didn't score, which is going to probably be the main – his main contribution is going to be can he score in the playoffs because that's that's what they need. They need people that can score. Right now, Tomas Nosek is picking that up at that spot. But I don't know how reliable he's going to be there. But you do go into the playoffs, and, and after last night, you feel good about your third line and the way they can play. Now, it's important to note, it happened against the Kings, right? The third line didn't do this against the Colorado Avalanche. The third line didn't do this against the Minnesota Wild. They did it against a team that's more likely than not missing the playoffs, and that doesn't carry a whole lot of value once you're actually in the playoffs against better teams. But if we're judging on the scale of Golden Knights' third line history, doing it against worst teams in the league is better than what has normally happened because normally sure. Cody Eakin was skating around out there not doing anything against any of the teams. In sure. the NHL. So right now, you, you got to feel good about the third line, but it's still untested, unproven, because it's, you know, you got to do it against Colorado. You got to do it against Minnesota for it to have any actual impact on this season and, and the Golden Knights accomplishing an actual goal of winning a Stanley Cup. Uh, will this guy, Matty Ice 2, be <laughs> better than... <laughs> or make up for the obvious goals lost by Cody Glassbeat on the power play. <laughs> the is, this, is this the answer to replace Cody Glass on the power play? Uh, I am going to say he'll be more valuable than Cody Glass okay. on the power play. Because Cody Glass is pretty good on the power play. Like, he kept scoring goals. But also useless at 5-on-5. Five five. So well, if... I, but I just said the power play, not 5-on-5. Five five. Yeah, so, so I'm saying... <laughs> Jan Mark and what he does at 5-on-5 five five will be significantly more valuable okay. than anything Cody Glass did on the power play. On the power that's, play, all right. That's, that's my guess here. I think Cody Glass on the power play, even though the power play's kind of sucked recently. Yeah, it's uh, pretty bad. Even though it's kind of sucked, I still think Cody Glass on the power play, it's replaceable. You can find somebody else that can do what Cody Glass does. Even if he's he's, he's a very good pass. Like, Cody Glass is very – like. If this was basketball, we'd say Cody Glass is like a great half-court player. Because when they're on the power play and they're set up in the zone, Cody Glass is great. It's everything that leads to getting there that Cody Glass has struggled at this yeah. season and since he's been in the NHL. Um, by the way, do we have to stop talking about the Golden Knights only scoring for Robin Leonard now? Yeah, yeah, we do. Six, although, <laughs> yeah, six. I think Flurry was happy with everyone except Zach Whitecloud. Uh, but no, six six goals uh, and scored a lot for him again against the Kings. I don't think he cares about that. He just wanted him to, you know, not score one and him have to, you know, stand on his head. But uh, yeah, they finally uh, finally scored for him. We can put away for now the conspiracy theory that they just like Robin Leonard better until they scored twelve on Friday. Until they scored they twelve on Friday night in Anaheim. <laughs> yes, twelve to two. It's been one game. Exactly. And Zach Whitecloud kicks another one past his goalie. Are you saying it's a small sample size, Jared? Yes. Oh, well. <laughs> one game versus seven games. That's all we got yeah. is small sample sizes. So, okay, why on earth do the Kings ever start Jonathan Quick against the Golden Knights instead I, of Cal Peterson? He's I, due. Well, I, I, I don't understand what's happening there. Cal Peterson, now granted, Peterson I think gave up three of the goals last night, but Cal Peterson has been good against the Golden Knights. Yes. I think he's yes. I think he's four and two all time yeah. against the Golden Knights. And Jonathan Quick gets pulled every time he plays him. And I last mean, night, 
Max Pacioretty scored from the neutral zone, just a backhand flip that Jonathan Quick couldn't get to in time, and it bounced over his pad into the net. Uh, and Quick, look, he's... I, I get it about the team and you know, the, he's not big. He's, his save percentage is under 90 and he hasn't been good, but you know, most nights Jonathan quick is fine, except when they play this team. I, I know like right now, Calvin Peter, Calvin Peterson's save percentage, you know, nine eighteen against the golden Knights. I think it's nine seventy six. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. I've, I've, I remember a few games in the last few years and both at T-Mobile where that guy was just amazing against them. It's like, okay, and, and you know, because uh, obviously Quick's their guy, and, like, man, I said the same thing. I'm like, this guy should never not play. He should be, like, the Austin Barnes, I'm only going to catch Kershaw. Like, I'll only play when I'll only play when they're playing. Other than that, I'm never playing, but on those times we play the Knights and cheer, Cal's got to be a net, right? I mean, he's got to be against that team, and then he can just sit against the rest of them. Like, if they, like, the Golden Knights went 6-2 and two this year. Against LA, if Cal Peterson had played every minute, it's probably a four-four series at the end of the yes. year. Or yes, the Kings might even win more than than it might be games. five and three Kings. Who knows? Because Cal Peterson's the only goalie on that roster that can do anything against the Golden Knights. So I just I find it funny that we we've, we've had we've had this conversation multiple times yeah. this year of uh, why the hell Jonathan Quick play in that game and Cal <laughs> Peterson's been really good. Doesn't make any sense. Um, and by the way. Zach Whitecloud kicks one in past Marc-Andre Fleury, which will allow me to continue uh, my uh, uh, my platform here to put own goals in hockey. I do not understand why we don't have own goals in hockey. I do not understand when a goal is scored and it is very clear to everyone that it was only scored because somebody on the goalie's team put it past the goalie, like Zach Whitecloud's last night who kicked one. Beautiful deflection right into the top corner off of Zach Whitecloud's skate. That should be an own goal. Like, it should read in the official stats, own goal, Zach Whitecloud. And I'd go take it a step further and say it shouldn't even count against Marc-Andre Fleury's save percentage. If if your teammate yeah. scores on you, oh. that shouldn't, shouldn't count against the goalie. That shouldn't be his fault. Yeah. Like, we should have – it should be soccer style – where the official scorer can award an own goal so that, it, A, somebody doesn't get credit for a goal that they shouldn't get credit for, and, B, it doesn't hurt the goalie when his teammate kicks one in past him. Would I'm they, all good with that. I mean, what, last person touched it shouldn't be, on the, uh, you know, on the opposing team shouldn't be awarded something that, you know, they didn't earn. So, and, and here's the other thing about that. Like, it comes down to, what's the big deal? Just do it the way you're saying. Like, who cares? Like, I mean, you know, it, you know the, the hockey in these leagues gets so you know, so precise about things and so, you know, ignorant, um, you know, committed to things that they would never even think that, well, it's always been done this way. Well, it's kind of stupid. So don't do it that way. I mean, never <laughs> admit that stuff. It's like, no, that's kind of dumb. Uh, real quick before the break, what do you think about the emoji? We talked about this the other day. Oh, Matty Ice has boy. an emoji. He has oh, an emoji. Like that's got to be the worst emoji that's ever Horrible been chosen, emoji. right? So for yeah. those of you that don't know, Matthias Janmark got to choose his emoji that the Golden Knights tweet out when they tweet out their lineups because they can't just tweet out the player names. they got to tweet out the emojis. Why would they? And he chose the trademark emoji. So it's literally just a TM, like a trademark you would see after a company name. And I, I... I don't know, like I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why you would choose that. It seems kind of dumb. It's like the least fun one you could choose of all the emojis. It's 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 not good. Because he's Yon Mark, and he got traded. Trademark. 
Oh my God. I hate, I hate Jared. Oh, that's a reach. Am I, you're probably right, but boy, I'll tell you what, Jared, <laughs> if you are right, that's even dumber than we think it is. I mean, that, that's, that's really reaching. If, I mean, you're a smart guy, Jared, you figured it out. 99% of the people would be like, what, what, what are they doing? I mean, is it, is it traded Maddie? I, I mean, it's weird. Yeah. I, bad emoji, bad emoji. That's not, I mean, it's like gold helmet level emoji. My bad suggestion of checkmark yesterday was better than trademark. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think on trademarks, you guys agree you shouldn't have to explain it. <laughs> or not trademarks, emojis. You shouldn't emojis. have to explain it. You go like, oh, I get that. Like, wow. last night, I'm like, what the hell does this mean? Well, if that was the case, I mean, we can we can only explain like three of all of the emojis <laughs> they use. I mean, flower, flower, like, pants, <laughs> like like Leonard is like his nickname is Panda, but no one knows why. Yes, he ref he refused <laughs> to answer that question. Yeah, when he got traded here, somebody asked him in a press conference, and he just said, "I'd rather not talk about it." So he's a panda, and that's his emoji. We all we all know what that one is, but we don't know why. He was actually before, named a panda. Before we go to break, I have a quick question about the own goals. Would we still give someone a secondary assist on that? Oh, God, no. Jesus. I no. just thought that would be really funny. <laughs> Jimmy touched the puck back by his own net, and he's getting secondary because he fired up, and it went up as a guy. He's a helmet who then hit Zach Whitecloud's skate, and it went in. Jim gets the secondary. That'd Absolutely be awesome. Absolutely not. No assist, period, on the own goal. It is just Zach Whitecloud, and he gets all of the shame. There is no credit yes. to be given for own goals. All right, coming up next, uh, we'll get into some college sports because the NCAA has finally approved the rule that will allow players to transfer without having to sit out. Like I'm, I'm all for a clickbait headline. <laughs> I get the, I get the benefit of that and all that stuff. But when you're gonna sit there and write an article and like not even go and like understand the rule or intentionally ignore the fact that you know the rule just so you can you know intentionally pile on someone for for nothing like <laughs> that's such a joke of an article and it's such a like yes. someone who calls himself a journalist it's the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas 1100 a.m. and 100.9 f.m. You know what I didn't hear in there is a denial. Trevor Bauer still hasn't denied that he is cheating in baseball. We'll get more into baseball a little bit later. But now, college sports, the NCAA, this was a rule change that was expected to happen. But it finally has happened. The NCAA is going to allow players in men's and women's basketball and football the ability to transfer one time without having to sit out a year uh and this does go into effect immediately so players that have transferred this offseason in college basketball will be able to play immediately next year without sitting out um i so what i find fascinating is we see college coaches complain about the transfer portal because yeah, exactly. it, it gives you know players a little bit more control over where they're going to play and now that players don't have to sit out a year, presumably there's going to be more kids in the transfer portal on a yearly basis because, well, you don't have to sit out. It makes it easier to transfer. There's not a punishment for transferring like there was before. And what I find fascinating is that coaches are going to continue to complain about this 
but coaches are also going to be the number one reason that players are in the transfer yeah. portal because A, they push players out, and B, they're trying to add players from other teams that they think would help them win. Absolutely. I, I'm writing something about this, and I was thinking about this yesterday, uh, doing some research, and it is, and I've always thought, just like you, this is the coach's fault. It always has been the coach's fault. The portal, a large part of the portal was enacted in 2018 for one of the reasons being coaches were just so ridiculously ignorant and selfish by not allowing kids to transfer they wanted and having these stupid lists about you can't transfer these 20 schools and kind of holding kids hostage so now you have the portal now i'm completely for all you can transfer one and never get and don't get punished i'm for all of this and it's not just because of chaos it's because what these coaches have done in terms of kind of holding kids hostage. And another thing, I, I read a quote, this was great, Nats football, but it's James Franklin from Penn State the other day. He was asked about the portal a year ago. His quote was something like, I don't know what we're teaching kids and there's no loyalty. Really, James? What kind of loyalty did you have at Vanderbilt when you left after three years for bigger money at Penn State? If you tell me, now I love the portal, but let's say, okay, how do you not have the portal? And I'd still have it, but every coach in America, head coach, cannot leave a job until they've completed five se five seasons <laughs> now i'll tell you i still want the portal but okay there you go you don't do it for five seasons chris beard for 18 days and i didn't and look i didn't blame chris beard i would have gone too but the absolute ridiculousness of these coaches who can do whatever the hell they want and jump jobs anything they want someone said yesterday there's kids now they're jumping schools because they don't like their uniform colors so what coaches are jumping schools because they want more money i mean i love the portal I love this new rule, and it's not because I want chaos. It's because exactly what you said, Tyler. This is all on the coaches, and they're the ones who whine the most. I think it's amazing that we could actually tie this back to the players not getting paid because nobody blames coaches for taking a higher-paying job. No, exactly. Because that's what we all do in our lives. Sure. Like every sure. single person out there, if you get a job offer in a job that you're currently doing for a different company and they're going to pay you more, everybody's taking that. Like you're, you're going to, everybody takes jobs in real life because they get paid more money. That's something everybody would do. And that's why we don't blame coaches because we understand, but players don't get paid. And because players don't get paid, you have to change the way you look at it. Imagine instead of getting paid, you know, we're talking about things like playing time. We're talking about things like relationships with the coaches. We're talking about, you know, a bigger stage, going to a bigger team that can get you right. more, you know, attention or whatever it is. Because they don't get paid, those are the types of benefits players are looking for. But at the end of the day, it's the exact same as looking for more money. Like sure. take Mbake Zhang leaving UNLV. I don't know how good Mbake Zhang is going to be if he goes to a bigger school, but Mbake Zhang was like, I want to play in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I want to play on a bigger stage. I want to play for a team that showcases me better. That's the same as asking for more money. Yes. That's the same as saying, I want to get paid more money to go somewhere else. And if somebody's going to offer that, if somebody's going to come to Mbake Zhang and say, hey, come play for us, you know, we're, we're going to go to the NCAA tournament, then Mbake Zhang should absolutely do that. Yeah. So it's funny because I, I guarantee if the players were getting paid, and let's just say a UNLV player was making $20,000 a year to play basketball at UNLV, and some UCLA came along and said, well, we got $50,000, not a single person would blame that player for leaving for more money. But because they don't get paid, people have a hard time understanding that they're leaving for better opportunities, just like coaches do, just like everybody else does in real life. Yeah, I had a list of things that someone was ripping players for why they were leaving. And facetiously, like I said, they said better uniforms. I'm like, you know what? 
If the kid wants to leave for better uniforms, good for him. Let him go. Because you're going to leave for certain reasons. So why shouldn't the kid have his own reasons? I, I'm glad this passed. This absolutely should have passed. They get their one-time transfer. I mean, I look, I'm on the complete opposite end of coaches here. I'd let them transfer anytime they want. I just think the way coaches are treated and what they're able to do with their freedoms, and then you kind of hold this kid hostage and, and stop. Don't even tweet in. Don't even start with the loyalty nonsense. That's a bunch of BS. There's no loyalty on coaches' sides. These guys are there to win games, coaches. The players are there to play. That's the reality. If you don't like it, then don't watch college sports. That's what the reality is of college sports, and especially the you know the power five and the big-time level. Maybe when you get to lower levels, it's a little different. But at this level we're talking about, stop with the loyalty nonsense. The coaches don't have it, so why should the players? Now, on the UNLV side of this, with this officially going into place, I think it's going to be a mistake if any UNLV coach, or honestly any coach in college basketball, says anything about like a four-year plan or a long-term rebuild. Because college basketball, it's it's been this way for a while, but it's officially this way now with this rule change going into place. College basketball is a short-term sport. This is you, you should not be planning for four years down the road. You should at max be planning for two years down the road. Yeah. You should like because you can get players every single year. You can change the makeup of your roster every single year. So if you suck, it's you you should you should like TJ Altsberger last year brought in seven freshmen. That should probably never happen again. Because no. why would you ever bring in seven freshmen? When you can go in the transfer portal and get guys that can play right away rather yeah. than, hey, we're going to be good in four years. Well, why don't you just plan to be good now? Why don't you just go get guys in the transfer portal now? So if I like if I, I, I think it'll be a massive mistake if any coach at UNLV or pretty much anywhere says, hey, we're building for four years down the road. Like maybe San Jose State's the exception. But like you should be building for now. You should be saying, hey, we can win now. We can win right away. Well, and you mentioned this before. We should, you know, uh, re-talk about this for, for a second. You just said it. As much as players get ripped, guess what? Look, like I said, I, I told you the first year I covered Steve Fisher at San Diego State, he had this very honest conversation with a lot of his kids. My guess is maybe Kevin had some with also that have gone to the portal for UNLV. These kids are broomed all the time if they're not good enough. Now, coaches might help them out and say, hey, I know a guy at a different level. Let's get you there. I'm going to make a call. But this happens at every school in America where kids are broomed every year because they're not good and you got to recruit over them. And the conversation goes, as Fisher told me, you're a great kid. We love you. You'll never play another minute. Let's make a decision. <laughs> that happens all the time. So this, again, I go back to the loyalty nonsense. Kids are broomed all the time. And that's fine. It's part of it. But if that's going to be part of it, then the portal's great and the one-time transfer's great because you can't have it one way. It's got to be both ways for kids to be able to move if you're going, in fact, move kids out. Coming up next, David Roth joins the show. Gossip bloggers writing stuff and having no clue about the actual rule or actually knowing the rule, but intentionally writing something without going investigating. I don't know. I don't know what the hell that, was, that report was about. Basically, so I can explain to everybody what the actual rule is, MLB is just collecting baseballs to do a study. Like they're not doing anything with them. No one's under investigation or no one's just these, these gossip bloggers just out here writing stuff to try to throw water on my name or whatever. I don't know. Just personal vendettas, I guess. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Joining us now is David Roth with The Defector. So, David, Trevor Bauer, is he cheating? 
Uh, I mean, yeah, probably. I don't know if he's cheating more or less than anyone else, but yeah, right. he's been pretty open about that, hasn't he? Is that like a yes. question? <laughs> I thought that you were going to say, like, is Ken Rosenthal a gossip blogger? Because I'd be like, I, that's the first I mean, time I've heard him characterized that way. Yeah, I mean, the, the, one, thing, kinda... the one thing about Trevor is, you know, and uh, as a, I got to say it, as a huge Dodger honker, huge Dodger fan, I will say Trevor, like Tyler says, he talks a lot, but you never see a denial. Like, he never yeah. like, says, yes, I'm cheating. <laughs> Right, which is, like, to a certain extent, like, if he leaned harder into that, I think I'd respect it. Like, he talked, I mean, he, like, literally wrote a story for the Players' Tribune that was like, I've been trying to make the ball spin more, uh, and it seems like the only way you can do it is uh, by using a foreign substance. And then, like, shows up the next year, and the ball is spinning, like, 400 more RPMs <laughs> than it was in the past. Like, it's fine. Like, you could just be like, yeah, I figured something out. Like, you can tell he kind of wants to say it because he likes to be like the smart guy. Like, so I guess it's like one of those things like with, uh, it seems to be the case with Bill Belichick interviews where like you ask him a question and he's bored by it and he'll just be like, we're on to Cincinnati. But if you ask him about like one block that the tight end made in the third quarter, that's interesting to him. So you get the whole answer. So I think the question to ask like Trevor Bauer is not like, are you cheating? It's like, what's the mix of like pine tar to sunblock in your special solution? It'd be like, great question. So I'm going 70, 30 now, you know, obviously it was more of a 65, 35 last year. And I think the results speak for themselves. Like, I think that's what he like wants to say it, but he can't let himself do it. Okay. So with the idea of foreign substance and pitchers, if, if it's true, what everybody speculates or says that 80%, 90% of pitchers are doing it, what's the downside to just legalizing it? I think that that's a really good question, man. I personally do not see much of a downside. Like, the thing, I mean, I guess the the issue is that, like, the game is getting more aesthetically extreme, right? So it's like people are either striking out or they're hitting homers. Like, MLB is, like, redesigned the balls again so that they're both, like, they have more, like, sort of frictive edge but also fly further, which means they're just, like, leaning into those two <laughs> trends. Not what you want necessarily, uh... But to me, like, you hear hitters say this, that, like, if a ball is, like, if a pitcher has a better grip on it, there's less of a chance of that pitch getting away and winding up in their neck. And so, like, it makes it harder in some ways to hit, but it also makes it a little bit safer to play the game. Like, I don't, I would say that, like, if there was a way to, I mean, this is how I am with, like, with drugs, too, with everything else, that, like, chasing these things that are, like, universal human pursuits and trying to snuff them out, like, it's not going to work. But if you find a way to regulate it and get everybody on the same page, I think, like, I mean, people will still just find some other way to cheat. But I think there's got to be a way to do this that doesn't involve, like, trying to, you know, stem the tide with, uh, like, a little sandcastle wall. Shouldn't, I mean, and we were talking before you came on, I mean, shouldn't we just embrace chaos for everything? One-time transfers, transfer border, cheating in baseball. Wouldn't that make it just a lot easier than actually kind of pretending out there that, you know, there's still kind of rules and loyalty or whatever you want to say in sports? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, yes. I think to a certain extent, like, it's important, you know, like, rules are, are necessary in terms of, like, structuring the game and letting everybody sort of know what they're doing. But the rules, like, for me, like, yeah, like, transfer stuff, like, the whole idea, like, you can see how, like, overheated. Dan McQuaid's working on a story about this for us, like, sort of tracing the history of it. Like, people have been freaking out about this since, like, Theodore Roosevelt was president. Like, as soon as people started playing college football or college basketball or whatever, like, teams started, like, recruiting uh, people that maybe weren't, like, qualified, or they used to call them tramp athletes. Like, guys that would just go from one program to the next, and, like, they didn't go to class or anything. They were just, like, 
tough guys that were available to play guard on a football. I'm like in the Northeast or whatever. Like <laughs> this is not, there's no like glory days of like when it used to be uh, not corrupt or like less gross. And I think that like chasing that idea that like, you know, there was some time in the past when it was less like this or whatever, I, like that just leaves you sort of feeling salty and talking about, you know, times that never really existed. I don't understand like the appeal of that. Maybe I will when I'm like, you know, whatever, like a 60 year old crustoid and I'm getting mad about the fact, you know, like the big East, like these to be, there were only like five college basketball teams. Like St. John's mattered then. Like I could be that guy in 20 years. I'm just not there yet. So is Ken Rosenthal a goth, uh, gossip blogger? I think he should, I think he should do more gossip <laughs> blogging. I think he's a very good baseball writer. I've respected his stuff a lot, but I think he should, uh, you should do one of those like King's things columns in addition to the stuff that he does. Like the way that Larry King used to just like yeah. write these things that they yeah. have like uh, text messages from an old person where they'd be like, soup on a cold day. You just can't beat it. <laughs> that Mariska Hargitay brings a lot of gravity to SVU. Like that should be the whole, like I want Ken Rosenthal's thoughts in that way. Uh, please, please tell us, we didn't get to this last segment, but I asked you, please tell me, uh, if not, we'll tell you, you saw the, um, comments from the Baylor booster on the truck he wanted to give the coach. Yeah, I saw that um, in the tweet that you guys put out. So that, like, <laughs> scoop him up in the hood. Get him out of there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Incredible it, stuff. It, who needs real boosters when you have this guy around? So, Baylor, yeah. I mean, the thing with Baylor is that, like, I have to imagine that everybody that's going there, like, it's not like they see the van and they hear that guy's comments and they're like, oh, wow, Baylor seems kind of weird. Like, Baylor is a known quantity. Like, it is the single most <laughs> lawless and most devout program in the United States. Like, you simply have to tip your cap. Like, the. Yes. But yes, that definitely, like, shows you where their mentality is. Like, they literally just won a national championship. And this guy's like, well, I put some rims on it because basketball players <laughs> like those. This guy knows what I'm talking about. And you're like, oh, sir. <laughs> like, I will tell you. I, I will tell you, my son graduated from there, and he was all for cheating if it meant they won the national championship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing with this, too, like, I so I had them going decently far in my bracket, but every year, like, in the past, like, the one thing that I've gotten right at every tournament is, like, I have this ability to, like, look at a bracket and be like, oh, this is a team that Baylor's definitely going to duff it against. Because they <laughs> they generally do. There's, like, they always have, like, two, you know, or three NBA-quality athletes on the team. But then, like, at some point, usually in, like, the second round or something like that, or whatever, the round of 32, I know they're supposed to, I'm supposed to acknowledge the first four, and I will not. <laughs> <laughs> but the, like, there's usually, they run into, like, you know, some directional school that makes a bunch of threes, and they're just like, well, I don't know what to do. Like, I thought we could just dunk, right? And this time, like, they really, like, they waxed Gonzaga. Like, this is, maybe I've been, it, they were so good that it made me think that I've actually like been wrong about them and they've just been really unlucky because like it's the same coach and it's the same type of players, but they like, they really just seem like they were, you know, a good kick better than everybody they played. Do you think Scott drew is disappointed? He had to give that Jeep back. Do you oh, think yeah. he was looking forward to driving that around for a year? I would personally love to see Scott Drew driving that. Cause Scott drew kind of <laughs> looks like he looks like uh like Scott Walker, sort of the former governor of Wisconsin. Like, it's a guy that, like, should be driving a van, but, like, he should be driving a van because he's, like, a locksmith. Like, that's, like, the vibe that he gives off. There's not, like, a, you know, so the idea of, like, kind of a, a balding man in a golf shirt driving around in a van with, like, a lot, a lot of graphics on the side, 
and <laughs> like extraneous sirens. I'd like to see it. I'd like to be scooped up by Scott Drew and one of those and go to Whataburger together. The the best, uh, well, and I guess it's, you know, they all get courtesy cars. Or if I'm the swim coach at this team, I'm a little mad. But this guy talks about the Jeep, but then he just kind of throws it offhanded. Yeah, when Kim Mulkey won all those championships, we kept giving her a Corvette. And like, and I'm thinking, I guess that's not against the, or against the rules, but I'm thinking like a Corvette. If I'm like the tennis coach, I'm like, why do I have the Honda? She's getting Corvettes. Right. Yeah, I think that that's like, you know, whatever. You, obviously, you're aware that there's a hierarchy, but when you see, like, him yes. multi pulling up at a Corvette and you've got something <laughs> that's, like, much more fuel efficient, you know, like maybe it's a hatchback or a crossover of some kind, you're probably like, oh, all right. I see I see how you feel about the diving team. Uh, David, can you explain to an audience who does not know who Williams' studio is why Williams' studio is great? Oh, my God. I mean... It's, so he is a reserve player on the Twins, which I know is a pretty appealing sell in itself. <laughs> he, so he's kind of shaped like a, like a mushroom, like a button mushroom or a portobello, uh, you know, rounder, uh, strange edges. He is basically like he's the best bat-to-ball like contact dude in baseball. Uh, he doesn't really do much of anything else. He is just, so he's basically like he's always putting the bat on the ball, and then it's just this round guy with weird hair running flat out like a child <laughs> into and through whatever obstacles are in his way. He had a play earlier this week where he slid into first base, which I know you're not supposed to do, but he's a professional. And also uh, you can't get him to do anything, but what he's going to do. <laughs> and he came very close to just having Bobby Dalbeck of the Red Sox stuck in his ear on this play, but he managed to slide under him, be safe, and not injure himself. And it is just, it, I mean, that doesn't sound very remarkable. It is the single, bit, like, most amazing feat of athleticism uh, that I've seen. Mostly because, like, like getting his body off the ground is remarkable. Like, and then getting it, like, maneuvering it around someone else. Like, is, I don't know. It's, it's like, um, like, if the boulder from Indiana Jones could, like, play two or three <laughs> positions not very well. Like, it's that type of, of energy to it. I've can't recommend looking up his highlights is his nickname enough. is his nickname la tortuga a great nickname or a terrible nickname it's my favorite i mean i think it's a little unfair because he's not really that slow and that does mean the turtle but the energy i mean the energy that he has is turtly to me so this was something that i had this was like the last post of the day we were just sort of putting it up like just a little freebie thing and i was asking my fellow editors like so la tortuga I look at Williams Estadio and I think of Super Mario Brothers. And like La Tortuga, there's turtles in that game. But I think he looks more like the little mushroom Goombas. And so I had like a brief debate with my editor about that where I was like, I don't really want to use the word Goomba. I don't think turtle is accurate. And he's like, it's 6.30 at night. Put the story up. <laughs> Stop doing this. And so I was able to get the, the mushroom thing in there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I think he doesn't seem to mind it. I feel like there has to be some sort of like, the way that, like, Bartolo Colon, like, they didn't start calling him Big Sexy until the back half of his career. Like, I feel like we're maybe two years away from the Astadio nickname that he deserves. Do, do you have an all-time worst baseball body favorite? Crock, guys like this? Or is there one guy that stands out? I mean, there's a couple, like, to me, like, relievers that allow themselves to get extremely large, like, like Todd Coffee types, where you're just sort of like, I don't know how this guy, <laughs> like, has a job where he, like, isn't in a car the whole time. Like, how does this work? <laughs> I've always admired that, but to me, like, there's a whole undiscovered era I've been talking about. Well, undiscovered. I mean, I lived through it, 
But like going back and looking at baseball players that were like on cards when I was a kid, they all look like people that have like children in college that they're like maybe a little bit estranged from, and they're like twenty six. <laughs> so there's there's a whole period of like the eighties that I want to go back to and be like, like how did all of these guys play professional sports? Like all of these like kind of sunburned guys with perms that are like three years out of college, but uh, like look significantly older than like my parents did until five years ago. Like, I don't know if it was a sunblock issue or if it was just that like in the eighties, the only things you could eat were like at the ground round. (laughs) It's really incredible that people like that. I want to, I want to know more. Like I want to go deep on like Gene Garber's whole aesthetic. Well, he is David Roth from The Defector. David, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks David. Guys. Appreciate it. Oh, Willie in the studio is great. As as David said, just just type his name into YouTube or whatever. Find Willie in the studio highlights because just just watching him run the bases, is, there's nothing better than him on second and one of his teammates hits a single into the outfield and he's coming around third. It's uh, phenomenal. Yeah. He's one of the greatest players to just simply watch play. All right, coming up next... Justin Turner ruined some guys' nachos, but apparently he made up for it. Here's the 1-1 pitch. That ball is slugged pretty well. Deep to left. That's a way back. And that ball is out of here. Home run, Carlos Santana. The Royals have scored three in the seventh, and they have jumped out to a 5-1 lead. McCann, it's a high fly ball, left center field, struck well, McCutcheon is back, he's at the wall, that ball is gone, a home run for James McCann. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter, at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Well, there was a no-hitter in baseball yesterday, but more importantly, Justin Turner ruined some guy's nachos with a home run, but... Justin Turner made up for it. What what did Justin Turner do? It's, J, it's JT. So he hits a bomb, and the the fan uh, kind of – well, they actually had to go to video replay to see if the fan didn't reach over. So this could have been a really bad story. It ended up being a better one. <laughs> the fan kind of puts his hands at the edge of the wall. The ball hits his hands, but also there's a plate of nachos right there. So it just destroys the nachos, which the cheese just covers this guy. It just goes everywhere. It just it hits the woman next to him, which I think she was with him. And the cheese is ever all this guy's jacket. It's hilarious. Uh, so Turner rounds the bases. You know, he hits the home run. They do their video replay. The kid didn't he didn't put his uh, arms over to, to disturb the ball. So they go out to interview him, uh, probably an inning later, because they showed it a couple times in the Jumbotron. So my guess is either Turner watched that or someone told him about it. So the kid says, yeah. And the, the, you know, the interviewer says, hey, look at that. You got a brand new plate of nachos. He goes, yeah, JT sent them up to me. He goes, he heard about what happened, and Turner sent it up to me. So not only did the kid get a pair of uh, J- Justin Turner sent him nachos, she's holding two brand new World Series sweatshirts, a blue and a gray. If we're going by the armory, probably cost $600 each. So you've got the two <laughs> sweatshirts. And she's like, you get, you, which one do you want? I, the kid thought he was going to get both. She had to say, no, you only get one of them. He goes, okay, I'll take the blue. So this guy got a plate of nachos from Justin Turner and a brand-new sweatshirt just for getting cheese all over himself on the home run. It's great, great so, story. So this 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 fan was yeah. basically a few inches away from getting yes. kicked out of the game because yes. he would have interfered with yes. the ball. 
But yeah. instead, he got a whole new plate of nachos yeah. and a free jacket. So and a free jacket, he, and he's got he, a story to tell. Yes. Yeah, he almost had a ruined jacket, no nachos, and ejected from a game. Yes. Yes. But instead, with, he got literally everything he could have wanted. With Justin Turner screaming at him and probably sending someone after him to, you know, say what happened. <laughs> Justin Turner instead bought him a plate of nachos. Instead of instead of somebody from the concession stand well, bringing him nachos, it would have been somebody just standing over his shoulder watching him the rest of the game, like ready to beat him up. Yeah, and so now Justin Turner's one for one on home runs. And opening day, he screws up base running and costs Cody Bellinger. Oh, that's right. And, that's right. And on this this night, it you know, a little karma goes his way, and the kid didn't reach over and he actually got the home run. So he's one for he's one for two on home runs. <laughs> I forgot he cost Cody Bellinger. Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. I don't think Cody Bellinger was buying him okay. any nachos that day. <laughs> well, if Justin Turner bought the fan nachos. What did Justin Turner have to buy Cody oh, Bellinger for exactly. ruining his home run? With their money, a lot more than nachos. Right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I am hoping Cody Bellinger like ends up with like 39, 49 home runs and he gets to be mad yes. at yes. Justin Turner for costing him like well, getting to 40 or getting to 50 yeah. or something like that. I mean, he'll say something like, well, I'd like to round up, but Jason can't, or Justin can't run the bases, so I'm going to be stuck on 39. <laughs> There was also uh, oh. a no-hitter yesterday. Carlos Rodon threw one for the Chicago White Sox. But to me, what's more noteworthy than the no-hitter is that with one out in the ninth inning, Carlos Rodon had a perfect game, and he hit the guy. He hit the batter yeah. with two outs left before a perfect game. Uh. Like, a no-hitter's still cool, absolutely. But you've got a perfect game going, and you lose it because you hit the batter with two outs to get. Uh that stunk because I'm watching I'm watching the Dodgers game last night, and the first thing they say is, you know, the bad part about that is everyone today will be talking about what we're talking about, which is he lost the perfect game instead of oh yeah he, yeah. he, he had the Carlos had the no hitters like no he should have had a perfect game, and it's he did it at the like worst possible time. If he does that like the first or second inning, nobody remembers. A, yeah, yeah, no, not a big no. deal because you know right. you finish out the next eight innings, but to do it with two outs left because what happens in baseball is. Uh, hey guys, this guy's throwing a no hitter, and like MLB Network cuts in, like and, and yes, everybody yeah. gets to watch the last inning of the game, and that's when you hit the guy. Like, oh, it's brutal, brutal for Carlos Rodon to be that close to a perfect game and just end up with a no hitter. So, Mus, uh, just Joe Musgrove, and then now this guy. We get two no hitters. So, could Trevor Bauer not be the only guy helping with the spin rate? Two no hitters, pretty back them, you know, pretty close Man. together this early in the season. So Man, wow. you so, you sound like an Astros fan pointing fingers at everybody else for cheating. Uh, I'm waiting for you to tell me how many guys you have on the D, uh, uh, on the injured list. Oh, just wait. We'll get there. We'll get but, there. Yeah, I'm the sure we page. will. Did yeah. He, did he put too much pine tar on the ball, and so that's why he hit him? Probably. You're right. He yeah. he did. He used too much pine tar. He had the the wrong mix. Too much sunscreen in his sunscreen pine tar mix, and that's why he lost control. And hit the batter. It would be, I will say, it would be kind of funny if all of a sudden we were like, oh, just Mus Joe Musgrove and Carlos Rodon both had foreign substances on their baseball. Like, how would people respond to no hitter, but he had foreign substances on the, on the baseball? I think well, I, th I think everyone on this show would be fine with it. I would be. I'm in, I'm <laughs> here. It should all be legal. I don't understand yeah, why yeah. it's not. Like everybody yeah. already does it. Apparently, just make exactly. it legal. But I'd be I'd be curious to see how people would react to oh. 
He had foreign substances. Like, they sent it to the lab and it comes back. Yeah, Joe Musgrove was cheating. Take away the Padres' only no-hitter. Yeah, take away the mural at his high school you put up a day after. <laughs>